Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate with an emphasis on retiring early. This is the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, and I do this show because I know that most people are living a life of financial sacrifice and betrayal. And right now, boy, the future holds a whole lot of uncertainty. And uh, I think that what we talk about here on the show is, is more timely than ever. So what we've done is we've built a system that creates an opportunity for one's money to work harder for them than they do for it, saving them and their families from a lifetime of financial worry. The type of worry that plagues uh, families for, you know, for lifetimes. <laughs> and uh, I, I know that real estate works. Uh, a lot of people think this is a real estate investing show, but it's really just a money show, a financial freedom show disguised as a real estate show. And I just believe everyone deserves a chance. Everyone deserves the right to know how this works. And then they get to make the choice themselves whether they want to proceed or not and want to pursue it. Because there's other avenues out there for sure. But you know, when I was introduced to real estate and it was told to me that it was the final frontier where the average person has a legitimate shot at creating real wealth, I was like, wow, the final frontier, that's big. Where the average person has a legitimate shot. Like those were operative words for me, the average person, because at the time I was feeling far below average and a legitimate shot, like a realistic shot. And, uh, you know, I'd just come out of a situation where I really missed my money and I knew I had to learn something new. And if this was the best shot that I had, this is what I was going to learn. And someone gave me a chance and this show is to give you a chance as well. So if this is your first time here, glad you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you. Thank you for sharing this with your friends and family. You're the absolute best for doing that. So thanks again. Crazy week, by the way. Busy week. We did our first live REI ACE implementation weekend 
since we got locked down on COVID in the quarantine. I think we did one back in January, and here we are in July for our first one since. And it was really great. Um, got to meet some new aspiring investors and some seasoned investors that are coming in looking for a touch-up and looking to reconnect and looking for new systems. And so it was just nice to get back into the groove. You know, it was a little weird and awkward with the with the mask situation. But uh, for the most part, everyone was kind of relaxed about it. But we took all the precautions and, and executed it in the way that we always have. And everyone left uh, totally satisfied. And I was jazzed. I was hyped. Every time I do one of those, I get a little bit more excited about my own business as well. So it's just a good win-win experience all around. Um, amazing results also as well recently from our, our REIS clients. You know, if you're, not, uh, if you're not marketing right now, if you're not talking to sellers, if you're not making offers, you're totally missing out. Um, it, it's really easy, though, to, to get overwhelmed with the world's events and forget that you have a job to do. Right, you've got your financial freedom at stake. That's what you're pursuing. You got yourself to take care of. You got your family to take care of. Um, and it's easy with being bombarded with so much information from so many different sources about so many different things. Really easy to uh, get lost in all that and have to kind of smack your own self around every once in a while to get you back focused. I mean, I've certainly ventured in and out of that haze a few times over the last few months. Thank God they've been short-lived, but uh, I've gone there. So if you've gone there, I understand. But it's time to snap out because things are happening. Uh, big high fives to to the Epic community that are out there doing their deals. Um, REI Ace private client Ryan Miersma uh, just did a $20,000 flip this week. REI Ace private client Wayne Stolfus uh, crushed a $25,000 flip. Wayne's got a great story. You know, when he came to the, the first REI Ace implementation program, and this was probably probably a year ago, I guess. And he had never owned a computer before. And he was his very first computer, and his first computer program was REI Solutions. And and here he is a year later, just did a $25,000 flip. So congrats, Wayne. I was really excited to see you post that inside of our Facebook group. And uh, that was all in less than 24 hours from him getting the signed contract with the seller to assigning it to a buyer. Less than, I mean, it all happened in the exact same day. So way to go. Uh, private client, uh, RIA's client, Chris Warren, continues to crush the quarantine. Um, it was like quarantine never happened for him. And he's got at least one closing every week, multiple closings typically. Did a 5K deal close this week and two deals for 12K. And like I said, that was just this week. The week before that, he did a few others. So congrats to all of you that are focused on the right things, focused on productivity and you're going out there and taking your skills and helping people out of their financial situations and getting equity in exchange. So congrats. Last week, I informed you that I was launching a big direct mail campaign. Well, actually did not go out until today. So I don't have a whole lot to share with you. I got trapped in a, a mail merge fiasco that uh, seemed like a quick and easy thing for me just to fix. And it just turned into this long, prolonged three-day ordeal. Um, don't even ask. It's not very exciting. You'd be bored to death. And I really don't want to live through that frustration again. I could have easily just handed it off to someone. They could have probably fixed it in a minute. But I thought I was just always seconds away from getting it fixed. And it turned into this long thing. All that to say is I am human too. And life happens. It happens to all of us. So that update will happen next week. Alrighty. I had a house guest for this weekend. My partner and friend from 
St. Louis, director of our Ground and Pound School, Mr. Jeff Garner and his son Liam. They came to visit, and uh, we hung out and did fun things with the family. And I thought I'd bring him on to discuss the current market, how it's impacting his business, uh, what he's doing about it, and as well, you know, the lessons that he had learned from the last downturn, what is he taking from then and applying now? And I just wanted him to share and, and give freely to you so that, uh, you know, you can learn from other people's experiences, people that have been there, like firsthand experience. You know, as Mark Twain once said, learn from other people's mistakes because you won't be here long enough to make them all on your own. So please help me welcome back Mr. Jeff Garner. Jeff, welcome back to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that means that's your cue to start talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate you having me back, man. It's always a great time. You bet. Yeah, so we just had a, a good weekend hanging out together and brought the families together and uh, talk shop and compared notes about uh, the, the market and as well as had a whole lot of fun. So it's always fun when you come out. Um, but, you know, one thing we didn't talk about too much was, you know, what is your business, you know, kind of looked like over the last few months? I mean, when we went into quarantine, what were you kind of thinking and, and what was the reality that happened? Well, when quarantine first happened, it was a little confusing at first because you, you had no idea what was going to come next. But at the same time, the market was on fire. So I could, I was putting my flips on the market and I was getting five to eight contracts and they were selling for 20,000 over list. And I was just like, is this going to stop? Are people going to be afraid to show properties? Um, are, what, what, you know, are sellers going to stop calling, you know, on our as is sellers? So I wasn't sure, but what, what happened was, is listings slowed down. I think sellers were a little nervous to put their houses on the market and have people walking through. Um, so what it did is it created a shortage. And on that side, if you had something to sell, it got even hotter. Mm-hmm. because there were buyers that were still needed to buy whether their houses were under contract or they just needed to buy. And so it created a shortage and a, and a, um, a demand. And so I, our prices went through the roof even more. So that was the not, that was a good side of it. Now I was working leads at the time that I was just on the cusp of writing deals with sellers that I'd been following up with. And all of a sudden they disappeared on me. And I think a lot of those sellers started to think, well, where am I going to go? You know, we're in the middle of a quarantine. Am I going to be able to find a rental? Am I going to be able to move? You know what? I'm just going to stay right where I'm at. I've got a stimulus check coming. It's going to buy me some more time. So on the buy side, it dried a little. But on the sell side, it got even hotter because of the demand that came. So I found that that was the beginning as it cooled off, people started getting back a little more to normal. We started getting calls again and sales and, and from sellers and started making deals again. So that's how it's been so far. That's kind of what happened and what I saw and how it, how it is right now. Right. Like me, you have a lot of rentals also. What has that been like being a landlord through the process for you? You know what? I was prepared to call my banks, start asking for um, deferments, moratoriums on our payments, 
um, really gearing up for renters to stop paying me rent. And that's not been the case. Um, at the end of June, we had a 97 or we had a 2.7% delinquency rate and we manage over a hundred properties. So that meant three people were late or hadn't paid their rent out of 105, I believe we have, which is unbelievable, which is great numbers. So what I attribute that to is the stimulus, you know, what we thought was with 20% employment rates in some cities, what I thought would be 50% delinquency rates at the end of the month turned out to be the complete opposite. Now, that's going to run out. What that's going to look like, I don't know. But it's really not hurt us at all on the rental side. Yeah, it's really been a surprise. We were, you know, pleasantly surprised as well. And it was... um you know, we've had a few houses go vacant, but they were filled instantly. Yeah. You know, and we had just bought a, a house. We were closing. Uh, I was about a week after we were in quarantine and we almost pulled the plug on it because we were thinking, because it was here in Vegas was a, a rental that we purchased. And this being one of the hardest hit markets employment wise in the yeah. whole country. And uh, gosh, we had perfect tenants within a week of closing and we're just like wow so and you know I, I see the comments on on our youtube channel people like to really express themselves on youtube if you didn't know this <laughs> and uh it both good and bad and um they're just very expressed and when i say when i talk about rentals and cash flow and achieving financial freedom that way and everything and there's always a couple like i mean it seems like it's almost daily but it's probably weekly that uh, someone's yeah, but what are you going to do when no one has jobs, right? I'm just like, well, there are 30 million people that didn't have the job, but yeah. there were 70 million people that did have a job, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you can look at the other side of it and uh, yeah, so, so far, so good. So what does it look like, like right now, like today, um, you know, so, we've gone through this thing and, and it seems like, you know, the, the news changes by the day. So it's still a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Well, I guess the whole long and short of what I was expecting was there to be some evidence of pain in my sellers or in our buyers or in our tenants. And I was really surprised on going on appointments, talking to the sellers that were still wanting to sell. I experienced literally zero pain from any of these sellers due to COVID. Now, that's starting to change a little, okay? Just there's a couple markers that I'm starting to notice, and that is foreclosures. I have written deals with actually subject twos, um, more subject twos in the last 30 days than I had the prior year. Um, now, that's not a lot. I don't do a lot of subject twos, especially in an unbelievable market. People don't need to do that, so it's rare that it happens. But um, I've written three in the last month and I see a few more in the, in some leads that I'm following up with coming because they, um, they are behind on their mortgages. They're at risk of foreclosure or they, um, the house is a tiny bit distressed and they're upside down, um, on, on their properties or they're at, at, 
they're right at the threshold of their loan balance. If they paid a commission and closing costs and sold it traditionally, they would be upside down. So it's enabled me to buy more property subject too. So I haven't really been able to put a finger on what that is or why. Um, now I work in two markets. I work in the Missouri and the Illinois side, and it's more on the Illinois side. So I think it's hitting them a little harder than it is on the Missouri side. So foreclosure is the first indicator that there could be some kind of pain coming out of the financial pandemic financial crisis that we're in. You know, it doesn't feel like a crisis yet. We're, we are all expecting something. And this is the first sign that I've gotten of the market changing. So I am, you know, due to this, I am changing our model a little to look more for pre foreclosures and um, going after leads with a much less equity mm -hmm. because so when it comes to your marketing. Are you actually yeah. altering your marketing looking for that or you just have your antenna up antenna up and we're starting to, we're starting to harvest different data. So to where if I did an absentee free and clear list, I'd want 50% equity so I could weed out all the people that didn't have equity, mm -hmm. right? Um, because why take those calls when you could just go right after people that have equity? Now, I'm looking for 10 to 20% equity at a minimum or in, at our minimum versus 50 because before you run into someone who's only got 10 or 20% equity, there's not a lot of room for you to do a deal there. And they can probably just sell it because the market's so hot and get out of their property. Now they're, you know, with some values dropping a little bit or getting stale and people losing jobs or people uh, starting to get behind on their mortgages, those properties are perfect subject to deals. So to get on a little bit more of the creative side, I'm going to them because I know they don't have a lot of equity and they, therefore they're probably, if they have to sell and their motivation is high due to, uh, you know, not being able to afford the mortgage or being behind and at risk at default, I am able to get those properties subject to, which you know, as well as I do, I can pay more for a property I'm buying subject to, especially if their payment is low. Right. So, that's all I'm doing to alter my marketing. Our pieces don't say anything different. Postcards say exactly the same thing. We buy houses cash, as is mm -hmm. close fast, um, but we're targeting people with less equity. Got it. Got it. So it might be too early for you to answer this question, but I know through the ground and pound school and the one of the big differences in the way that we uh, run our business or, or at least uh, pursue leads and pursue deals is I'm of the mindset of always leave a written offer behind mm -hmm. and you're of the, the mindset of to never leave an offer behind. So that gives you a reason to follow up and create urgency and create that desire. And you don't want your, your offers to be shopped to your competitors because yeah. I mean, St. Louis, you know, there's a lot of uh, wheelers and dealers and gunslingers in St. Louis. Yep. And so that makes a whole lot of sense from your perspective as you're targeting lower equity properties, are you experiencing or, or finding the same type of competition yet? No. Much so less, you're not, competition. less competition is what you're no, saying, yeah. right? 
Now, after these podcasts gets out there, it's probably going to change now. <laughs> but no, not yet. It hasn't caught up to the rest of the market yet. I don't think the you know, it's it's new. But no, the competition is much less. Gosh, that's nice because that was the, that's the struggle is in my market. Is mm-hmm. It is. It's the Wild Wild West. Yep. And you're competing. It's, you know, heavy competition. Right. Um, so and that's another reason I don't leave offers behind. That's the only leverage you have mm-hmm. is your number. And you're guaranteed that someone's coming in behind you. Right. So you get that offer right then and there, the odds go really down. And leaving your number behind, you're pretty much guaranteeing that you're not going to get a call back because the next guy's going to offer a dollar more. Right. Um, and at least you leave some suspense to where they're going. We don't want to accept this other guy's offer because remember that one guy who didn't leave? Let's call him and see if he'll pay more than our guy. And mm-hmm. it leaves a, you got a chance then. And my, that's my strategy. But, you know, you are of the mindset to leave offers behind. And I know that's been effective for you. So Right. No, I mean, just, you know, we're just kind of in two different markets with two different strategies. And there's not a right or wrong way. I mean, there's a million ways to make a million bucks doing what we do. Yep. Um, but I was just w- wondering, like, if you actually noticed that or if that's just my experience, because, you know, I kind of came through the whole thing. You know, I only had like one good year of an up appreciating market before the crash. And then all of my experience came in the crash and everything was a short sale or a very, very little equity. Yes. So I got really my, my skills got really sharp to deal with that type of client. Yeah. And that client hasn't really been around and several years. Yep. So it's definitely, I anticipate it coming back. It's kind of what you're seeing as well. So I just wanted to, um, you know, everyone's out there chasing the high equity lead and uh, that's where all the competition is. And if you're armed with the right strategies, then there's, there's some opportunity there. Just Absolutely. everybody knows how to do it. Right. Sweet. Um, and with, with that said, you know, I haven't had too many guests on this year, but the guests that I have had, I've wanted to make sure that they've been like in the business at least 12 or 13 years that they've actually seen a downturn. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a whole lot of value. Someone that's just been in the business five, six, seven, eight years that can provide not, they might have some like a good mindset. They might be smart and they might be able to intellectually navigate based on what they've heard. But with all that said, it's just going to be secondhand information, regurgitated information that they've heard from somewhere else, something that they've read. But the people that experienced that and really, you know, felt it, I think there's a lot more value that can be had there. So I've made it a point to make sure that uh, had some real veterans on the show. And you qualify. I mean, you're, you definitely went through that and, uh, you know, you got beat up a little bit and you've recovered. So as we're going into potentially another shift, most likely, what are some lessons you've learned from back in 2007, 2008, some mistakes maybe that uh, you're aware of and conscious of that you don't want to make again? Well, you know, I'm doing the same thing I was doing in 2007 and 2008, minus the rentals. Back in those days, I was the guy who'd been in the business five or six years and had no idea what a down market looked like or what it could do to you. So I was over leveraged. You know, I was, there wasn't a deal I said no to if there was money in it from half million dollars, $600,000 condos in Florida to, you know, $75,000 houses in St. Louis. I got into everything I could. 
And when the market crashed, it turned off overnight. And literally every dollar I had out, I never saw again. Mm-hmm. And all the debt I had, it didn't stop coming. Right. So this time I have rentals and I am making sure that I, anything that I am in under contract or in the process of buying or have right now that I'm rehabbing, it is at a price point to where I could cash flow it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if in 2008, the 10 or 12 properties I had um, of, you know, probably north of a 1.5 million, between 1.5 and 2 million in, in value at the time, and a lot of that was liquid cash, I couldn't rent any of them because of the price points. So now it turned off overnight. I could convert them all to rentals and they would all cash flow. Mm-hmm. And so I would lose nothing and that it would just change my strategies. So what I'm doing now is I'm just not getting over leveraged and I'm taking less on my wholesale fees. There's a couple of properties that I had that were $35,000 rehabs. So I have five rehabs going on and I have three under contract and I'm getting ready to close and two of them are good wholesales and one of them is a good flip. And I thought I am going to minimize the amount of construction I have going on because that's heavy overhead. And so I made six grand on that wholesale deal. I just thought, you know what, let's find a buyer. If I can make four to six grand, I'll be happy. So cut my margins down a little so to ensure I don't get caught with you know too much on the plate. So basically I'm just staying at price points where I know I can cash flow. If it won't cash flow, I don't buy it. And um, I'm just trying to stay a little more liquid and not have as much construction going on, which equals, you know, larger scale business, you know, mm-hmm. four or five rehabs means that you're writing 10, 20 checks a week to different contractors and you're managing all of that materials, credit cards, labor costs, contractors, permits, and it, it creates overhead. It creates payroll. So I'm keeping that all to a minimum. That's kind of a long answer. But I hope it, made sense. No, it does. It's staying away from the long term, big ticket fix and flips. Yeah. And if you do take them on a low volume of them and then analyzing everything from multiple exit strategies, Yep. make sure if you do get stuck, you get, you're able to cash flow it. So just sound advice, right? Yep. Uh, the people that didn't do that were the ones that got hurt the most. And, uh, I wouldn't even call them investors. They were what I would call speculators, you know? It was pure speculation yep. in the 2000s. You, you just nailed it, yep. you know? Um, now, I'll make this point, and it's nothing you ask, but it's just something that came to my mind. Let's say your complete hard money, everything you do to do a deal is with hard money or private investors, and you think, I can't turn my rehabs into rentals. They're on four-month term loans or six-month or they're my aunt and uncle's money. Well, what happens when a market goes bad? Everyone's hurt. Mm -hmm. Okay? And if you're in a position like I was to where you lose things, you're hurt. Your contractors are hurt. Your lenders all get hurt. Everyone gets hurt because no one gets their money. Now, if you're a person that follows that advice I just gave, but you're all private money and you're all hard money, If you can, when the market goes down, your lenders are going to be more than happy for you to turn that into a cash flowing property because that means their loan, their money stays out longer. They continue to get their return and they know it's going to come back someday. 
that's a heck of a lot better than you losing everything for yourself and them. So don't think that. So I'm just encouraging people that are in hard money in private to don't think you can't convert that to cash flow. Because let me tell you, if you had my money in a deal, market went bad, but you were able to turn it into a rental, carry it long term till the market came back, I'd be more than happy to ride out that out with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So those are some of the things that that you're doing and I'm doing as well as far as mitigating risk. Yeah. Is there anything coming up potential that you might be a little bit excited about that you might have missed out on, something that you're preparing for, something that you want to take advantage of that uh, you know, you might have missed the boat in 2000, 2008 just cuz you know, you're distracted with maintenance and not being able to and not necessarily uh, progress. Man, you know, this business is basic. There's not a lot of original thoughts, really, you know, mm-hmm. and I am just looking forward that if it goes that way for all the opportunity to buy, mm-hmm. that's it. Now, in 2011, I started buying and I bought 110 properties right at the end of 11. So let's say 12 to 15, I bought 110 properties and I have gotten not one that get, that has less than 50% appreciation since 12, right? Now, the crash hit in 08. It took me four years to get my butt back together mm-hmm. and get in a position to where I could buy again. And so I look forward to being able to buy. Let's say we went back in time. 08 hits and 09, I'm starting to gobble up property. Mm-hmm. You know, So I just look forward to the opportunity that could come from it and to capitalize on it because it's not, it is feasible and it is absolutely a reasonable thought that you could start and end in a market like that in three to five years and never have to work again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely, you can get more done in three to five years in a market like that than you can get in t- done in 20 years of a market like this. Do you agree? Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about right now is, you know, I'm, I'm smarter, wiser, more experienced, um, certainly more skilled and knowledgeable with regard to acquiring and controlling property. And I think if I, if I knew back then what I know now, you know, I might not have ever, you might not even know my name. Yeah. That's how lucrative it could have been. Like I just might've just gone and done something else. Right. And uh, I'm, looking for that and anticipating that right now. I, um, you know, right when COVID shut down, we had a couple deals just fall in our lap immediately and people just panicked. Say, here, take it. Like it was like a game of hot potato, you know? And uh, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. You know, it's going to happen because we, we were already like, we're at the end of such a, a long upward cycle that we're overdue already for the shift. Yeah. And then for this just to uh, come in and, and, you know, light the fuse. But it hasn't happened yet. I picked up a few deals and, and that's cool. But, um, you know, we'll wait and see, I guess, right? Yeah. Now, I will, the funny story, it just dawned on me that the truth is, is one of my subject twos came about because there was a big seller who owned a property that I had been in touch with him for over a year. Now, I hadn't contacted him in six months. He was not interested in my offer. All of a sudden, he called me up and he was ready. 
you know, he, he wanted a hundred. I said, I couldn't give you any more than what you owe, which is 80. He had a um, $16,000 second on top of that 80. He had a first and a second, 80 and a 16, which made it 96. That's why he was never interested in selling before. Mm-hmm. But he'd gotten the stimulus money in all of these loans and stuff. And so he's like, if I pay off the second mortgage, will you buy my house? And I said, well, all I can do is take over your first. I can buy your house subject to your first. Can't pay cash at that price, but I'll gladly buy your house. And he's like, okay. So because of the government, you know, stimuluses that they're offering actually enabled me to buy a house I could have never bought before because the guy didn't have the money to pay it. He did, he was over leveraged. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Well, there you go. The world's it's a strange kind of, place right now. It's kind of nice and fun to see actually right now with, with the stimulus programs the, and the, the disaster loans and the PPP because in two, what's really different about 2007, 2008 is the banks got the bailout and the investors like us, the small business owners like us, you know, a lot yeah. of that got captured before it trickled down to us. It never quite trickled down, no. you know, and uh, it's, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, the little guys getting a, a little piece this time around. So that's good. Yep. But anyway, well, cool, bud. I'm going to see you in a couple weeks. We're going to hit our, our Lake of the Ozarks. Yep. Uh, we went to the Lake of the Ozarks before it was a TV show. And <laughs> yep, <laughs> my, mom has, my mom has this uh, t-shirt. She belonged to this uh, Facebook group that uh, I was from Orange County before it was called the OC. And yeah. so uh, I was like, well, I was vacationing at Lake of the Ozarks before it was a Netflix show. Well, we actually stay in the cove. Mm-hmm. of the original Blue Cat Cafe where the whole That's show right. is originated from. It's called uh, Alhuna. The, ha- Alhuna. the last time we were there, I hadn't watched the show and you were pointing it out to me. It didn't mean anything to me then. Yeah. And now that I've binged the whole thing, now it, uh, it'll have a new meaning. Yep. Sweet. It's going to be awesome. Right, bud. Well, thanks for uh, checking in. I know you're tired. I know it's late. We had a long weekend, but I just wanted to capture this because I think it's really important and valuable that people uh, hear the words of people that have been through it because that's going to be the best uh, advice and wisdom to operate from, in my opinion. Absolutely. Agreed. Take care and uh, I'll see you soon. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. It's always a pleasure to hang out with Jeff and compare notes. Got another guest for you next week, but right now, Mercedes, she's been hard at work this week and uh, has got some deals on the plate and she's got a specific deal that she wants to share as her deal of the week and she's here to tell you all about it. So, Miss Mercedes, take it from here. Hello, this is Mercedes from Cashflow Savvy, your turnkey girl, and I have the deal of the week for you. This week, our amazing deal of the week was a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath single-family residence in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. This property was 1,800 square feet, perfectly situated in a family-friendly neighborhood, sitting on a lot of 10,000 square feet. The property was fully turnkey, so it was recently renovated before a two-year tenant moved in to this amazing home. Yes, the tenant signed a two-year lease and the property was rented for $1,350 
per month. Sales price of this amazing home was $129,900. Now, factoring taxes, insurance, maintenance, vacancy, and property management, this property produced a whopping 9.1% cash-on-cash return to the new owners. So, congratulations to Johnny and Lisa from Riverside, California, who snatched this property right up. Johnny and Lisa, you landed an amazing deal and I could not be happier for you. For more properties like this one and to actually see the featured deal of the week, go to cashflowsavvy.com, download the Frustrated Investor's Guide to Passive Income right there on the bottom of the page and you too will start receiving the deal of the week. Awesome. Thank you. For more deals like the one Mercedes just shared with you and others just like it, go to cashflowsavvy.com and download the Frustrated Investor's Guide to Passive Income and get a new deal every week or two inside uh, inside your inbox. At least, at least a deal once a week, potentially two, sometimes even three on really good weeks. And some of these weeks are really ramping up to be good ones. So make sure you go and do that and so you never miss an opportunity. Alrighty, so if you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that uh, might find this valuable as well? When their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. Alrighty, that's it for today. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.